0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. When the coronavirus first shuttered schools and threatened more than 22 million children's access to the free and reduced breakfast, lunch, and snacks on which they rely for nutrition, PepsiCo's Food for Good joined other nonprofits, government agencies, and stakeholders to help supply, assemble, and distribute food to those in need on a massive scale. And in the eight months since the pandemic was declared, PepsiCo's purpose driven initiative hasn't slowed down. It's provided more than 30 million nutritious meals to communities in need, worked with No Kid Hungry to give emergency grants to schools and community organizations that feed children nationwide and partnered with Baylor Collaborative on Hunger and Poverty and the USDA to ship shelf-stable meals directly to rural students' homes. In addition, it's donated $3 million to Team Rubicon's food delivery operations for Feeding America, Meals on Wheels, and others. While PepsiCo was far from the only industry player to help feed students whose in-person classes were placed on hold during the pandemic— It brings a unique set of strengths to tackle the challenges posed by the pandemic, which senior manager for PepsiCo's Food for Good program, Doug Hargis, outlines in this week's episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. In sharing Food for Good's approach to feeding hungry children, Hargis offers a blueprint for other industry players, government entities, and non-government agencies to work together through public-private partnerships to do more good than they can alone. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, before the pandemic was declared, food insecurity in America was actually declining from a high of 14.9% in 2011 to 10.5% in 2019. This is a statistically significant drop that still left 13.7 million Americans wondering where their next meal would come from and if it would be enough to fill them. But when the pandemic was declared, Safety measures designed to slow the spread of the coronavirus triggered massive layoffs and shutdowns, and this downward trend was quickly and dramatically reversed, with Feeding America estimating more than 50 million people now experiencing food insecurity. This increase has cut across all states and people of all ages and race. But as Hargis notes, children have been hit exponentially harder, in part because of the constraints on schools to produce meals and distribute them when they're most at need
1: you know hunger and, and the current uh status of it in our country is almost uh a, an insurmountable challenge because we've never seen it this bad i will just say prior to pandemic you you know you could um, find on some predominant websites roughly one in four uh, americans may at some point in some way struggle with hunger um most recently, some of those same websites are saying up to 45% you know, 40, to 50% of America is in some form or another and definitely over the course of the pandemic has faced hunger. So if you just wanted to make a general statement that the, the, that hunger has doubled in our country as a result of this pandemic, then that would be a very fair statement to make. The groups that I, I think uh, you know, are being hit hardest – have grown, in a sense. So there's a great uh a number of, of people out there now, um, you know, that are that are facing financial hardships as a result of the pandemic, and that could be from lost wages, lost jobs entirely, um, you know, or uh, other sources of income that are, are no longer there. Um, so that's almost really a whole new dy- dynamic of of individuals that have really been hit by this you know so just your your frontline restaurant workers you know you who may have just been um making enough to uh, put themselves through college or uh maybe they've got they work at a restaurant and have another uh a job and i have had employees in the past year that may have two or three jobs where they'll work for us for a shift and and then maybe go work for uh, a warehouse at night, uh, you know, moving stock or something, right? So there's a lot of folks out there that were really dependent on jobs, uh, multiple jobs. And when those jobs dried up or went away because of the pandemic, that opened up an entire new group that was facing hunger. So I would definitely say, um, from my view, uh, some of the folks that were dealing uh, with kind of, you know, Borderline issues financial issues to begin with are the ones that have been hit the hardest uh, by by the results of the pandemic. Now, the other group um, that I obviously have the most experience with is children um, you know being being the fact that uh, food for good has primarily worked um, with nonprofits and that includes school districts by the way uh, over the course of the last eleven years, <clears throat> we have a lot of experience with um, what the nutritional needs are of students, um, you know. So I would say that students have been impacted exponentially uh, by the fact of merely being displaced by COVID. So um, school districts are doing a fantastic job, though. You know, I want to make sure that I, I make that uh, clear as well. When all of a sudden, you know, there's there's fifty fifty five million kids or so in our country uh, that go to schools every day, 50 million-ish that go to public schools. But all of a sudden, those children were gone and, and in their homes. Uh, you know, the, the school districts had to really respond quickly to get food to them. Um, and out of that 50 million, there's about 20 to 22 million children um, at any given time that are on free and reduced lunch programs. So that is... You know, that's that's a big number to swallow but but think about that twenty million children every day that were going to school were receiving what is essential nutrition right this isn't just oh, maybe they'll you know maybe they'll pick the school lunch or not this is that school lunch is their food that's their essential sustenance that they received that day all of a sudden they were at home uh you know and so school districts worked. To put in some measures and did a fantastic job Uh, but you know they can only do what they can do right there there are capacities the the kitchens and the staff and such were built to the level of providing those students meals one day at a time Uh, and when the the children were dispersed that left um, a lack of ability to get that food to them every single day
0: And that's where PepsiCo's Food for Good was able to step in and help schools source food and make and pack two, three, or even five times as many meals in a day during the pandemic as they did before COVID-19 hit. Hargis explains that in the early days of the pandemic, when food shortages were prevalent due to broken or misdirected supply chains, Food for Good was able to tap into the network of suppliers, which created over the last 11 years, to ensure that schools and other organizations feeding children had the provisions that they needed.
1: Capacity is, is a big is a big issue, right? How do, how all of a sudden does a school who's designed to make, uh, you know, we'll just say 50,000 meals a day for their students in classrooms uh, while they're attending, how all of a sudden does that school produce 150,000 meals to put into multi-day meal packs and get them out to the children? It, some of them can do it well and have done a fantastic job of it, but some of them, you know, that's, it's just beyond capacity. So we at Food for Good, um, having this vast resource and network of suppliers and partners, are able to produce food uh, that would be either a full meal, that uh, similar to what a child would receive at school and following the same USDA guidelines as far as nutritional uh, allowances and requirements. Uh, and we can actually help provide those meals to schools, so fresh meals you know so you know an example of a fresh meal uh, I often give is a, a a turkey sandwich on on whole wheat, uh, enriched bun with um, cheese and then a bag of baby carrots and an apple, and then an accompanying milk that goes along with it so we 're able to help supply fresh meals uh, and use our vast network of suppliers to bring in product, even when there was shortages like the Example I used before, when you couldn't find a a can of green beans on the shelf at your local store, we had so many sources that we could call upon. We were able to source um, items for our meals. Um, We were uh, able to, you know, we, we knew who to call and where to get things from that allowed us to support others, to support food banks, to support school districts and get food to those children.
0: Sourcing sufficient food wasn't the only challenge posed by capacity restraints. Hargis explained many schools also grappled with how to deliver meals to children with limited resources. Again, this is something that Food for Good was able to address with an innovative approach to creating shelf-stable meals through a partnership with USDA.
1: When COVID hit, um, I think everybody was looking for ideas, right? <laughs> how, how do all of a sudden do we feed 50 million children that are in their houses? Uh, and again, there's a lot of really great innovative ideas. I'm sure you saw out there. There were some school districts that uh, literally put food on buses and ran bus routes, which is a, which is a great way of getting food to the children. There was a lot of grab and go drive up uh, lines where children could come in and and get food or their parents could come in and get food for them. Now, another really innovative um, way that I think we approached the problem was through a great partnership that we had with the USDA. So um, what we did, we ran a program uh, with them called Meals to You. And it's it's exactly <laughs> as the title would would, would be uh, indicative of, is we worked with the USDA to design uh, a program of food, shelf-stable food items. So these are items um, that don't need refrigeration, yet all the food items would still Qualify and in most cases go above and beyond the nutritional requirements of a standard meal that a child might receive in school, but we can package those meals up individually with all of the all the components needed to give a meal to that child, put a number of those meals in a box in a cardboard box, and literally we could ship those meals all across and did ship those meals all across the country, even from as far north as Alaska down all the way to Puerto Rico. So that program was especially innovative in the fact that it sent that box of food directly to that child at their house. So the aforementioned problems of uh, logistics and capacity were taken care of by us and in, in our partnership with USDA we sent those children the food that they were missing out.
0: Even though fresh food was all the rage before the pandemic, Hargis said that children love PepsiCo's shelf-stable meals, which were in the works before in-person classes were canceled, as a way to add variety to school meals.
1: I now will tell you that they were wildly popular, <laughs> um, so much so that you know we actually uh, tried to integrate them into some of our normal programs that were still operating, and they the, the children kept asking for more of those meals. so we have to do a balance right. I, I want to make sure that I give them fresh carrots along with uh, you know dried uh, fruits or vegetables that we might include in the meals. But some quick examples um, would be so breakfast, for example, that's that's an easy one, right? Um, a USDA breakfast might consist of uh, a pre-bold cereal. so it's all whole grain enriched cereal. So but if you if you've ever seen them perhaps at a, at a hospital, uh buffet line, there it's a it's a prepackaged bowl of cereal and you just peel the top back, pour your milk in. That would be accompanied with a a, a fruit. It could be a dried fruit, um a box of uh you know different types of mixed dried fruits. Um or even in, in many cases uh we have a variety of really delicious but also extremely nutritious juices that we Supplied uh, for the children, so um, and that can that can be in fruit and or vegetables. Um, I think the the really great thing about private enterprise is uh, they've <laughs> they've seen the need that schools have um, to get nutrition to the children, but also they have to make it appealing to the child, right? So it has to also taste good. So um, there's a great variety of vegetable and fruit juices out there that taste fantastic, and we definitely. Uh, utilize those. So a standard meal <clears throat> would have a couple of protein items in it, uh, typically some really kid-friendly uh, proteins. So you might uh, might be familiar with a, a popular brand of um, Jack Link's um, type of meats that they have that are a dried-cured type meat. So there's some great varieties of turkey and chicken of those as well. That could be an example of a protein. Um, there's shelf-stable um, cheeses that are available. Uh, That tastes great. Again, a real big kid pleaser there. And uh, an example of something we might pair with a cheese, kids also uh, like pizza, right? So you get a cheese stick, but you put a a cup of um, marinara sauce in there that has a high vegetable content to it, then that's a really tasty uh, food item for the kiddos. So, you know, there's a a great variety uh, of of meats and different proteins uh, that are available different uh, dried fruits that are available. We even have <clears throat> a proprietary um, line that we're working on of dried vegetables. So it's a uh, sweet potato. You might be familiar with sweet potato chips like you might buy at your grocery store. Well, these are kind of a variant of that. Um, they're just not as salty, uh, but they're, they're great dried sweet potato slices. They're kind of like a chip, so the kids love them. Uh, We also have a beet version of that, uh, and then there's some other potato, regular potato versions as well. So there's there's a lot out there, and that just didn't you know come about (laughs) with COVID. We've been pursuing that for quite some time now to help add varieties into our daily meals that we provide to the children.
0: Based on PepsiCo's experience teaming with USDA and Baylor Collaborative on Hunger and Poverty to create and ship meals directly to the homes of rural students in need during the pandemic, Hargis argues that. Industry players, nonprofits, and government entities need to work together more closely and find innovative solutions for feeding those in need.
1: This is not something that's going to go away um, quickly. So, what we need to do is be innovative. Uh, you know, I think what it takes, and one thing that was so great about our, our collaboration with the USDA uh, was that it was just that it was a collaborative effort between government between nonprofit organizations that helped us facilitate it and between private companies you know, that allowed the, the, the product and, and everything to be packaged and sent out. That, that's a huge, almost unprecedented collaboration between those three entities, and it was hugely successful. So I would, what I would say is needed is, is more of that. Right, There needs to be more positive collaboration between government, private, and nonprofit sectors, uh, and when you team up like that, uh, and and really put all of those expertises together in in one group, we prove there's nothing that can't be accomplished. I mean, by the end of the or towards the end of the program, that that program was delivering over five million meals per week, all across the country. I mean, if you just think about it, that's just Amazing to think. Every box had 20 meals in it, (laughs) and we were delivering 5 million meals a week. How many boxes were being distributed across the country? It's just staggering. And that's, again, to children who otherwise would have not received meals. So, you know, I guess my answer would be um, we're not out of the woods yet. We need further collaboration. Uh, USDA has done some fantastic job, uh, done a fantastic job of, of removing some roadblocks so now it's really up to the nonprofit and the private folks to, again, kind of jump in, everybody work together, and come up with solutions and uh, and get the food to where it's needed most. Hargis
0: also encourages food and beverage companies to look for ways to hire those who've been displaced by the pandemic to help meet the increased need for food consumed at home and also providing employment opportunities.
1: In, in food, food for Good, um, we employed we almost doubled our our frontline staff through the pandemic uh, because as I said, we had to ramp up and to help partners. So we specifically worked with local restaurant groups to help employ those who may have been displaced, um, you know, through, from their jobs by the pandemic. A lot of those turned out to be college students. Uh, And, you know, some of them obviously have even stayed with us after reopenings. Uh, So it, you know, you you, you work with um, school districts. You have contacts uh, and through your networks, uh, you know, some schools that just had to shut down, well, guess what? Those cafeteria workers know a lot about food and food production, so we hire them, you know? So I would say just really taking a step back, looking at what you have within your organization that can help others. And help empower them because one thing I found is you know everyone they want to they want to work they want to do their fair share and they're more than willing to do it. Um, it's, so I, I would just say look at the resources that you have uh, within within your companies within your organizations and see how you might be able to help those um, in need. Yes, of course you know financial gifts are great, absolutely, and we need to kind of continue to help with providing essential nutrition as well, but empowering someone, giving them a job, giving them an opportunity is, I tell you, it, 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 uh, I had so many smiles and tears <laughs> brought to my face um, by helping helping others you know, help themselves.
0: While Food for Good, like many others, is currently focused on feeding school children impacted by the pandemic, the initiative's reach expands much farther and its origin came long before the arrival of the novel coronavirus. Food for Good launched more than 10 years ago in 2009 by a small group of PepsiCo employees who saw an opportunity to leverage the CPG's logistical knowledge and widespread connections to feed children in it. It continues today under PepsiCo's performance with Purpose Vision and supports the company's 2025 sustainability agenda, to provide at least three billion servings of nutritious food and beverages to underserved communities. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.